Hi, this is Chris Nessie from the House of EdTech podcast. Welcome to the Google Teacher Podcast Archive. I used to produce and edit the Google Teacher Podcast, hosted by Matt Miller and Casey Bell. You can enjoy the podcast once again, and be sure to visit the new website, chrisnessy.com slash googleteacherpod. Please note that any of the show note links mentioned in the episodes are no longer valid, but if you go to chrisnessy.com, dot com slash Google Teacher Pod, you can search the archive and check out the show notes for each and every episode of the Google Teacher Podcast. Thank you for your continued support, and may the Googles be with you. I'm Tanya Avrith. And I'm Holly Clark, host of the Infuse Classroom Podcast, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual host. Be sure to check out all of our other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com and get ready because the learning begins in three, two, one. to episode 86 of the Google Teacher Tribe podcast, your source for the latest Google for Education news, tips, tricks, and ideas that you can use in class tomorrow. I'm Casey Bell from Shake Up Learning. And I'm Matt Miller from Ditch That Textbook. Holy cow, 86, is that right, Casey? I know, I'm like, what? How, yeah. how have we actually found found time in our calendars to meet online 86 different <laughs> times? That's the amazing part. It is, yeah. <laughs> wow, wow. Okay, sorry, folks, I just had a, a quick moment there that I just, yeah. Yeah, we're um, creeping up on 100, y'all. We are, it is, it's crazy. After this one, it'll be only 14 more. So um, in this episode, uh, we have good news. We're getting close to summer, at least if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, like we are in the United States, uh, summer is getting close. And for some of us, that means that we're going to get to go to some cool conferences. Don't you love the fact that teachers are kind of nerdy like that, where we get done with school and some of us are like, let's go to a conference to learn more about teaching. You know, some people think that we just spend our time by the pool with fruity drinks. And yeah, that that doesn't happen. Um, but if, if Maybe summer you com- were reading books by the pool, Matt, with our fruity drinks, it can yeah. happen. No shame in that. That's for certain. Yeah. <laughs> so if summer conferences are a thing for you, Google tools can certainly help. There's lots of ways that you can gather all those ideas, share them with others, um, take them visually and in text and all of that. And of course, all the things we'll learn about here uh, transfer over very well into the classroom in our everyday life, too. So this will be a super, super useful episode. Of course, we've also got Google News and updates. We've got some feedback from our listeners and a couple of blogs to check out, too. So, Casey, you ready to get started? Let's do it. It's time for everybody's favorite segment, I think, of the Google Teacher Tribe. I know a lot of people really appreciate that we share what's happening with Google. The Google News and updates are really important to staying on top of what Google happens to be doing and doing to us sometimes. So uh, this one is really interesting. So I sort of had to laugh when I saw the title Team Drives is being renamed to Shared Drives. Yes, folks, that's right. They're going to rename it and probably with good reason. I think Team Drives doesn't quite 
describe the the functionality as well as adding that shared name in there. And of course, we're all so used to using the the word share when it comes to our Google files and Google Drive and things like that. So this change does not impact any functionality. It is simply a name change. So sort of a rebranding of it. And our users have told us that they use team drives a lot more for sharing within teams. So shared drives makes it easier to understand. So that's that's simply what it is. So you may see a few things shifting just in terms of the little words that appear and how they name it in your your different applications there. But I know a lot of people are big fans of having this ability to share those documents and have it owned by a group of people as opposed to having that one owner where when they leave, we sometimes have some trouble getting the documents back where we want them to go. So it has been a great feature that they added to Google Drive, but now we're going to call it Shared Drives. Hey, little rebranding, you know, you never, never know the power, the power of that. So let's move on to Google Earth. I do love Google Earth. Um, it's, it's fun to be able to check out the satellite imagery and to be able to see things kind of in 3D and they keep adding new features. This one touches on a feature of Google Earth that I think is a pretty lesser known feature and it's called time lapse. And what it does is it grabs satellite imagery from the Earth all over the entire Earth for every year. And it started in 1984 and it goes all the way up through, it did go all the way up through, I think, 2016. And with a recent update, they've bumped it up to 2018. Now, what's fascinating about this, if you haven't seen it, is that you can literally watch the world change from space in any area. So you can watch it over an entire continent, um, an entire country. You can even zoom into cities. And what's really, really interesting about it is that you can see, like, for instance, on this uh, article, it talks about in Australia's Northern Territory, you can see the the effect of bushfires and how it's changed a certain particular area. You can see how hydropower dams are changing the Brazilian Amazon. You can see the growth of cities around the world like Las Vegas and how it has sprawled out over the years. And so being able to watch all of this from the top and then just watch it in motion, it's it's really fascinating. Um, and so what they've added recently is they've added a mobile app. So you can watch all of this from your tablet or your mobile device. Like I said earlier, they've added a couple new um, couple of new years to it also. So if you've never checked out the um, Google Earth engine and the time lapse so that you can see everything happen year by year, click, 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 click from the top. This is this is a really cool tool. The ability that we have now to see all of the satellite imagery and high definition just it it still blows my mind. So the article that I want to share is also from the keyword blog and it also ties in with the Google Earth engine. So if you're not familiar with Google Earth engine, you can go to earthengine.google.com and learn more about it. But what it does is it combines their catalog of satellite imagery and the geospatial data sets that they have. So it gets really, really technical, but it's going to add that imagery, the algorithms, and then you find those real world applications on how to use it. And so the article that I wanted to share is actually about a 17-year-old NASA intern who is using these data sets in her project at NASA. So um, first of all, I 
I, I I will tell you, I'm a little blown away by Liza Goldberg. This is the girl's name. She's just blowing me away that she's 17 years old and she understands all of these things. So she's dedicating her life and her project to curbing climate change. And so she's using the Google Earth Engine data sets to help guide the project and what she's doing i tell you like the the video on here is is a little bit long it's about seven minutes long but it's totally worth watching because she started working on a climate change project when she was nine years old and so this is not just your ordinary nine-year-old girl here and she is really taking this on the fact that she's an intern at nasa and that she's working on all of these things and using the google earth engine to guide her data sets and using the computing power to analyze the forest change on a global scale. So she's really trying to do something big here. This is definitely um, aiming for the skies. And I think she is pretty amazing. So if you want to learn more about the Google Earth Engine or any of these projects coming to us from Google, you can go to our show notes at googleteachertribe.com slash 86. Wow. <laughs> Talk about kids changing the world. Just, I mean, you don't even have to wait to to grow up these days. There's there's so much that they can do. That's that's pretty inspiring. All right, the last one I wanted to share with you. Um, this one has to do with Google Assistant, and so National Tell a Story Day uh, just passed us within the last week or so. Uh, but with that. There have been a couple of um, a couple of releases or a couple of features that have been highlighted about the Google Assistant that tie into stories. And so, if you've got kids that are interested in stories, whether they be in your classroom or in your car for soccer practice or um, getting ready for bed or whatever, there's a variety of um, resources that you can use. For instance, if you have a um, if you have the Google Assistant, you can ask it to tell a story. Just say, tell me a story or tell me a bedtime story. Um, and then it'll read uh, from a variety of different stories that it has selected. There's sort of a small selection. What you can also do, and this is pretty cool, is that if you've got any of those little golden books, um, specifically some of the Disney ones, like Coco, like The Three Little Pigs, like Alice in Wonderland, Cinderella, Peter Pan, Toy Story 3, any of those, um, and probably some other ones too, there's this thing called Read Along. And so if you have one of these books, you can just ask your Google Assistant, let's read along to, and then the name of the or read along with, and then the name of the story. And it will add little sound effects, and it'll basically enhance your reading experience as you read along with it, which is pretty cool. And then there's a third piece of this, too, is that if you use Google Play Books, and if you own um, any of the audiobook titles on Google Play Books, you can just ask your Google Assistant to um, read that book, and then it'll start reading it for you. So as far as stories go, along with National Tell-A-Story Day, um, you know, everybody likes a good story. Uh, those are some of the things that they've got available for us. 
All right, Tribe, the conference season is upon us, and uh, I know Casey and I are going to be going to several uh, summer tech conferences and summer teaching conferences. Uh, Summer just seems to be the time, you know, when there's a lot of these. You don't have to get subs to be able to go to these conferences, and um, there's lots and lots of them available. And, of course, with all of the ideas and all the information that you get, it's easy to feel information overload and being able to gather all of those ideas and then being able to find them later to put them into your lesson plans and put them into practice, it can be kind of a challenge. And so thankfully, there are lots of Google tools out there that can help us to stay organized, to gather information, um, to be able to capture it in the way that suits us best and then to be able to go and find it later. So I'm going to start out with a real simple one that I bet a lot of us use. I know whenever I'm doing a presentation or even when I'm sitting in on a presentation, so often I will see the presenter put a good slide up that either has a link or it has a catchy quote or a bunch of useful information. And then what do people do They grab their phones and they go and take a picture of that slide. And so I think so often that's that's just the easiest way for us to capture it. Now, if you're using Google Photos, of course, Google Photos is that Google service that will sync all of your photos to your Google accounts that you can go and look through them. It stores all of them and then it does some pretty cool things with them too. If you're using Google Photos and they're all synced to your Google account, what's nice about that is you can take all of the photos that you want. You can take photos of slides. You can take photos of, you know, anything related to the conference. Of course, like your selfies too, those can all go in there as well. You take all of those and create them into an album. And a lot of times you just have to hit that plus button and then add an album, select all of the photos that you want to go with it. And then with that album, you can give it a title and you can even share it with other people. So if you want to keep yourself organized, that's a real, real simple way. You just take pictures of the stuff that you like, throw it all into an album, create a link, share it with others. Um, that's a that's a really, really easy sort of low prep way to keep yourself organized during this time. I love that and love Google Photos and the fact that it's all backed up and it's saved to the cloud and you're not going to lose your stuff. And, you know, even when I'm presenting, I've noticed how many people, of course, they take pictures of of the slides that, you know, stand out to them or seem really important. But also, even when I give the link to my presentation, a lot of people will still take a picture of every single slide. And I don't I don't always understand, but I do understand, you know, that it's it's there. And sometimes pictures are just easier. So um, that's a great tip, Matt. I want to share a little bit of a story and talk about collaborative note taking. So, you know, when you go to an ed camp or a conference and a lot of times you're solo, but a lot of times you're with maybe your team or your teacher friends or some kind of group and it's really useful to take collaborative notes. Now, if you're at a smaller conference, you could actually kind of take this conference wide, but you can hit some limits when you're taking notes in docs or even in slides. So in terms of editors being in there that you might run into too many people at once, which I've tried this in a large session and it can kind of crash and burn. But Um, collaborative note-taking is really powerful, even if you're in the same room, because what one person gets out of a session could be very different than what someone else takes away. 
And that is, you know, a really important thing to think about, not only as your own professional learning experience, but also in your classroom and the power of collaborative note taking with your students. So just wanted to be sure and make that connection back to the classroom as well. So you can easily do collaborative notes in docs or slides. You can buddy up with your team or your friends. And, you know, oftentimes we kind of divide and conquer at a conference as a team so that everybody doesn't go to all the same sessions and we can all come back and share everything. So this makes it really easy to put it into one location. Now, when you use Google Docs, one thing that I suggest is to either create a table of contents ahead of time. So each person has sort of a dedicated section so that you're not typing on top of each other, or you can even use a table. So if you're just taking quick hit kind of notes and adding links, that's really easy to divide. And that's actually the first way that I experienced collaborative note taking several years ago um, when I was attending a conference in Allen November was the keynote. And so shout out to my Leander friends who threw me under the bus at this conference. So this was many, many moons ago, y'all. Google Docs was still in its infancy. And Alan comes in before everybody gets in there and he just starts asking for volunteers. Who knows Google Docs? And so he took like three people from the audience and my team's like all pointing at me. They're like, she does. And so I was like, oh, Lord, what did they sign me up for? (laughs) And so I was one of the assigned note takers in the room. So we were taking collaborative notes, but each person in the room had a different assignment. Some Someone is taking links, somebody's doing vocabulary, somebody else is taking strategies so that you can also divide and conquer within a session. Um, and that is a really good strategy. In fact, one that I've blogged about before in the classroom. So um, yes, they totally threw me under the bus, but it turned out to be a really powerful experience. And forevermore, we refer to him as Mr. October instead of Alan November. <laughs> That's an in- in- inside joke. But um, collaborative note taking in Google Docs can be really handy. So now take that idea and apply it to slides. So with slides, what makes it easy is everybody can just grab a new slide and take notes. And I've done this a lot at smaller conferences and at ed camps where we'll we'll create a slide deck for the whole conference and everybody just grabs a slide and takes their notes. Now, again, you can hit some limits, but typically everybody who's there doesn't participate. So kind of depends on how how many people really want to dig in and how many people see the power of that. And then how cool is it to share that link with not only the people who are there who didn't get to go to every session, but the people who didn't even get to attend the conference or the ed camp. So it can be a really powerful tool. And of course, a really powerful note taking tool in your classroom as well. Yeah, absolutely. This is this is so cool. And see, what I love about this is that it's not super high tech. It's not super geeky. It's not cutting edge, brand new tools. We are talking about Google Docs here. Google Docs has been around for a long, long, long time. You talk about the least sexy of all of the tech tools out there and Google Docs may win that prize. I don't know. We may have to debate that one later about which one is less sexy than Google Docs. But I, I totally think- didn't expect you to start talking about the sexiness of Google tools today. <laughs> Surprise. See, I'm all full of surprises. You never know what I'm going to say. And, um, but, but yeah, it's, and really what it's about is it's about the application. It's about the way that you use it. You talk about how you just need a blank space and someone writes a, does vocabulary. Some of them does strategy. Someone does ideas for tomorrow. There's just like, 
a variety of different ways that you use it. And it's just the simple blank canvas that that you use. So yeah, I I, I really, really, really love that. So <laughs> now transitioning over from me just talking about the least sexy of the Google tools because it's not flashy and cutting edge and brand new. Now I'm going to go the entirely opposite route and talk about one that is pretty new. So if you're interested, if you're into that kind of thing, um, I want to talk about Jamboard real quick because I've been playing around with Jamboard uh, fairly recently. It's not a totally brand new thing. And I know some educators are already using it in the classroom and are doing really cool things. And in fact, if you are doing some cool things with Jamboard, we would love to hear about it. So please, please, please go to googleteachertribe.com and leave us a voice message because I would love to hear what you're doing with this in the classroom. But Jamboard is kind of like a big whiteboard that you can draw on, that you can add sticky notes to, you can add pictures to it. There's a variety of things you can do with it. And then you can have multiple, multiple whiteboards. Um, you know, think of them as like butcher paper or like those rolling whiteboards that you can put kind of like side by side. And so you create one jam and a jam is a collection of those whiteboards and you can have a whole bunch of different workspaces. And of course you can use uh, your finger to draw. You can use sticky notes. You can use pictures kind of like what I was saying. Now, the thing that I love about it is there, there's several things. One, you don't have to have one of the fancy Jamboard interactive displays. And when I said Jamboard, some of you may have thought, oh, those are those expensive touchscreen devices, you know, that we, we certainly can't afford. That's fine. You can use the web interface and the mobile app totally, totally, totally for free. Um, and so what I'm envisioning here is that we use the strengths of our different digital tools whenever we go to something like a conference to gather ideas. And of course, there are crossovers to the classroom here too. So, of course, one of the great things about your mobile device, like your cell phone, is that it does have a camera attached to it and super easy to take pictures. So if you're going to take pictures of something at a conference, be it slides or selfies or whatever, you take those with your phone and then you add them to the Jam on the Jamboard app. So we've used that. Now, the phone has a little bitty screen, which makes it hard to draw on. So if you have an iPad or a tablet or a touchscreen Chromebook or something like that, that's what you draw on. And then, of course, if it's easier for you to be able to use your computer to navigate with things and to use your mouse, maybe that's what you use to move different um, sticky notes on and everything. So the nice thing about this is that it does cross over all of these different platforms. And then the other thing that I love about this, too, is that when you add new sticky notes onto a jam, most of your devices have some sort of dictation feature. I know for me on my phone, I have an Android phone and it has a little microphone in the top right hand corner of the keyboard and it will just transcribe everything that I dictate to it. My computer has that too. You know, I know Siri will do it for you. Um, so there's a variety of ways that you can gather all of that information in and you don't have to use your fingers on your keyboard, which sometimes is a lot slower, especially if you're using a mobile device. So by using some of these diverse features across all of these different possible um, apps, you can use a, a, a tool like Jamboard to create these really cool, really visual notes 
that you can share with others. And then of course, within Jamboard, you, it also um, does collaboration really well too. So you can have multiple people adding to the same jam, whether it be on the same little whiteboard or on different whiteboards. So if you haven't checked out Jamboard yet, it is a pretty, pretty cool thing. I really love that they are improving Jamboard in the web interface and making this more accessible without the fancy device itself. So um, look for more because really see Google investing a lot of time and energy for this tool. The other thing that I would add for Jamboard is that this makes a fantastic debrief tool. So if you're coming back together with your group or your team and you're sharing out the things that you've learned from your conference or your ed camp, Jamboard would make a great little collaboration space for that sharing. Or if there's some big idea that you're walking away with that you want to implement, you know, using Jamboard to sort of brainstorm some of those ideas and and organize those those topics there too. Okay, I'm going to switch gears and fit in a tool that we would be remiss if we didn't didn't actually mention this one. Google Keep, right? And I bet a lot of you automatically thought of Google Keep when we started this topic. So Google Keep, of course, is designed for you to take notes and create to-do lists. So it's keep.google.com if you've never been there, and it's fantastic. And there's so many little robust tools that are built into this because when you first look at it, it just kind of looks like a quick little sticky note board. But as you dig in, it does so much more. So not only can you take those notes and keep, but you know what? If your note gets too long, you can convert it to a Google Doc, which is a super cool feature. You can share these. You can make them collaborative. You could also use the Google Keep extension to add bookmarks and resources. So when you're getting that presentation link from someone or you're getting a new website or a new web tool you want to add, add that into your Keep notepad. You can also add audio and photos, and you can even annotate or draw. So um, the mobile app has even more features than what you'll find in the desktop app, like the voice um, dictation possibility. So you can actually record, even if you wanted to record someone speaking, and it will actually um, turn that into text in your note, which is super cool. Or if you take photos, say you took a photo of someone's slide, like we were talking about earlier, it will actually pull the text off of the slide for you and it makes it searchable. So it's it's a pretty awesome tool and the ability to organize it and add all of these things in here. Now, the other thing is once you add images, this is a little bit hidden, but once you add images, you can actually annotate on top of those images. So um, if you wanted to use your mouse or maybe you're on a touch screen, you could actually use your finger. I suppose if you're really talented, you could sort of sketch note in that space as well. But it does give you so many options. And Google Keep is great for just getting those things organized. And you can color code and label things by conference or by session so that you can come back later and always find those there. Now, um, there's so many tools in here. I just wanted to be sure that um, everyone knows, too, that I have a free Google Keep cheat sheet that I've linked in the show notes for you, as well as some other ways that you can personalize Google Keep by adding some of those images and making it more visual 
And Google Keep is such a fantastic tool for students as well. Um, I would say particularly um, the secondary students have so many ways that they can use this for note taking, for research, and the list goes on and on. I'm pretty sure we've done at least one or two episodes on Google Keep alone. We may be due for another one, Matt. So, um, but Google Keep, I feel like I'm like running out of breath. I'm trying to fit it all in um, because we have so much in our notes today that we're not going to fit everything into this episode, but Google Keep Mm -hmm. is a fantastic tool for your conferences. Yes, yes. It's one that I use pretty much every day. One of my favorite uses of it, by the way, is whenever I'm out on a run and I get ideas, I will open up Keep and then I will hit that little dictation button and I will just record that with my voice and then it grabs it right into that note. So lots and lots of options available here. There are several other ones that we did not get to that are in our show notes. So definitely go check that out if you're getting ready to do the conferences or if you want to start gathering your ideas together. You can find all of these things we've talked about and the ones that we didn't over at our show notes at googleteachertribe.com slash 86. There's a letter in your mailbox. Hey, you know what? This is all your mail. Hey, maybe I'll give you a call sometime. You've got mail. As my buddy Matt likes to say, we're going to jump into the mailbag. <laughs> <laughs> That's never going to get old, is it? No, no. And I'm sure lots of people are picturing us jumping into mailbags, but here we go. So I'm going to kick things off with a speak pipe message from Sarah Kiefer. And Sarah actually has a solution to help Bailey Sandsmark question that we had a couple weeks ago. So Bailey was wanting to um, take some data, use Autocrat, create some charts and have it automatically update. And it sounded really cool, but we weren't quite sure how to make it work. And I think Sarah has a wonderful solution. So take it away, Sarah. Hey, Matt and Casey. Love the podcast. I listen to it every week. And I am calling in today in hopes to help Bailey Sandsmark. She had had the question about students entering in data into a form and then using Autocrat. My thought was to skip using Autocrat, continue with using the form, and then when the data gets put into uh, Google Sheets, create the chart to look however she wants the chart to look, but then use a Google Doc or even a Google Slide to insert the charts into there, whether it's for a whole class or it's each student, because you would link the chart each time the data is put in. You can just update the chart. There's always a link that shows in the upper right-hand corner. I've done this before. Um, It's a pretty cool feature. I love how it is a pretty clean integration, and I really hope this helps Bailey out. Okay, totally forgot about the linking chart data. That is brilliant. So if you haven't ever tried this, when you insert a chart from Sheets into other Google applications like Docs and Slides, you can tell it to link the data and it will automatically update that chart whenever that data in the sheet changes. So very powerful tool and a great solution that I hope will help Bailey. 
Yes. Yeah, absolutely. That was that's really smart. Let's move on to another one. This one comes from Cam Ross, who is from Melbourne, Australia, someone that Casey and I both have gotten to meet personally. And so Cam said, just re-listened to episode 18, trying to learn about some more about what Google Slides can do and came across the Drive Slides Chrome extension. So if you're not familiar, the Drive Slides Chrome extension allows you to take some images stick them in a folder in Google Drive. And when you have the Chrome extension installed, all you have to do is just click the Chrome extension button and it will automatically take all of those images and stick each image on its own individual slide in a Google slide presentation. So Cam says, what an amazing tool and one that I've been able to use with the family pictures at home, but also with school-based projects. And he says, keep up the amazing work as I'm learning so much each and every episode. We really appreciate you listening, Cam. And if anybody wants to check out that Drive Slides Chrome extension or anything we've talked about in the episode, you can, of course, head to the show notes at googleteachertribe.com slash 86. All right, Tribe, just a couple of quick blog posts we want to share with you, and this episode will be through. So I've got one for you that relates to Web's depth of knowledge. If you have never heard of Web's depth of knowledge, or if it's been since college, since you've really dug into it, it's just a way of categorizing the level of thinking that goes into your activities in the classroom. And I really love it because I think it guides us to come up with cool, creative um, learning activities that we can do in the classroom. So recently, in a Ditchbook Twitter chat, we have this weekly Twitter chat in the Ditchbook hashtag. Uh, it's on Thursday nights, 7 o'clock Pacific, all the way to 10 o'clock Eastern. It goes only for 30 minutes. And we jumped into the four different levels of Web's depth of knowledge and tried to give some examples of the kinds of activities you could do on each one. So if you're interested in learning about this to be able to vary the the kinds of thinking and the depth of thinking in your activities and you'd like to see some example activities on them, we have 30 activities for any depth of knowledge level in this uh blog post. And it includes slides vocabulary cards left by uh, Stella Pollard, a listener of the show. Um, and then Amy DeFries talked about the applied digital skills curriculum that Google has. We've got Google Slides sticky notes, Google Slide or Google Drawings infographics, lots and lots of ideas that you can start using right away. I love that. What a great resource to be able to jump in and find uh, different activities for all of those different levels to make sure that we're we're hitting where we need to hit with our students. So um, that didn't sound right. <laughs> hitting our hitting. students. That's not what I meant, y'all. <laughs> Sorry. Hitting right. the le- I should say hitting the levels that we Touching we on want. the levels. How yes. about that? Hitting, I don't know, maybe because it's baseball yeah. season. I don't know. That's in my yeah. head. Okay. So I'm going to hit on something else, y'all. I want to talk about <laughs> um, Google, of course, but Many of you know that I spend a lot of time creating Google how-to resources and teaching Google courses and more specifically helping people get Google certified. Well, 
Google's a moving target. <laughs> and Matt and I laugh all the time because when we're reading the updates, I'm like, how many things do I have to change now? So <laughs> um, it is, a, it is a, a hard thing to keep up with. But I have been working to update my Google certification courses. And more specifically, I've just updated the Google Certified Trainer course from head to toe. Every single lesson, every resource, this has been completely um, re-recorded, redone, redesigned. And I updated the Google Certified Trainer Ultimate Planner and Checklist, which is included in that course. And it's designed to help people who want to become trainers figure out how to plan for all of the things that you have to do. There's so much when you want to become a Google Certified Trainer. So you have to be level one. You have to be level two. You have to take a trainer skills assessment. You have all of these application requirements. You've got to build the experience if you don't have that. So you may be working on building your resume. You're building presentations. You're trying to create beautiful training materials to submit with your application. There's just so many pieces. So when I started redesigning this planner and checklist, I decided to make this also available outside of the course for people who maybe don't need the entire course, but just need a little bit of help in planning for all of these things. So that is now available separately to purchase this ultimate planner and checklist. It's all digital. It's all printable. If you like the paper or if you want to keep it online, you can do that. But it's 27 pages and it will help you set your goals. It will help you get dates on your calendar so that you can get this done. So along with that, I wanted to mention that the Google certification courses will open again on May 21st. So they only open twice a year and they will be open until June 4th at midnight. So that is the enrollment window. Once you're in, you're in and you have access to all of the resources. So you can join the level one academy, the level two academy, or the certified trainer academy. And let me help you walk through this entire process, video-based learning, learn at your own speed. It's completely self-paced. So if you have any questions about any of that, I'm more than happy to help. But of course, I've got links to all of this in our show notes at googleteachertribe.com slash 86. We've covered a lot of ground, so I hope everyone is walking away with some new tips, but Matt and I will be all over the place this summer, so I know we are looking forward to meeting those Google Teacher Tribe members in person. A couple of things that we would love for you to do if you haven't already. Number one, please subscribe to the show. Number two, we would love to hear your feedback on the show. If you've been listening to it for a while, please do leave us a rating or a review. Number three, please do keep the conversation going. We love to see your reflections and your thoughts. And of course, number four, we love to hear your voice. Shoot, that's a lot of stuff. We hope that you'll do at least one of those. So to wrap this up, that'll do it for another episode. And we will see you on the next episode of the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. Bye, y'all. Thanks for listening to the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. Keep up with every new episode by subscribing on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, and by visiting googleteachertribe.com. Get in on the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag GTTribe. Until next time, keep harnessing the G Suite power, and may the Googles be with you. Hey, producer Chris here. And I was just talking with Matt the other day about reflecting on 
creating the podcast for 86 episodes. And what were his thoughts on that? That's right. You've created a monster, Chris Nessie, a monster. Thank you once again for listening to the Google Teacher Podcast Archive. For the latest on Matt Miller, be sure to visit his website, ditchthattextbook.com. For the latest on Casey Bell, be sure to visit her website, shakeuplearning.com. And to keep up with me and get the latest in education technology, be sure to visit my website, chrisnessy.com. And I invite you to listen to the House of EdTech podcast.